know anybody who was good at overcomplicating stuff? Maybe you work for that guy or that person. I mean, you're just trying to get some simple instructions. How do I do this task? And I mean, they can give you charts and graphs and all kinds of unimportant inane stuff, and, and you're just saying, wow, you know what? You could have told me that in about 30 seconds. Or maybe you're in, in, in college and, or in school, and, and it's like you're trying to listen to the professor or the teacher or the instructor, and you're trying to get it down, but man, it's like, surely it can't be that complicated. Well, probably no place will you find more overcomplication than you will in church. Because I think there are a lot of ministers, and I'm not being, I'm not, I don't want to be critical, I just, we've we got to be helpful for where we are today. But there are a lot of ministers who will, who will take a message this morning, and they'll make it, you know, 55 minutes long, 60 minutes long, and then you walk out, and if you got anything out of it, you'll say, what did I get out of that? And that could have been said in a real short amount of time. And so I don't want to do that this morning. In fact, this morning's message is simple. Can you see the title? It's just do it. You can overcomplicate that, can't you? I mean, a lot of different ways you can overcomplicate that. One of the things I think we ought to consider this morning as we, um, as we think about following Jesus is that when Jesus came to our world, he never asked people to join something. We live in an area today, just here in southern Kansas, where if you are a follower of Jesus, you can pick among a lot of different groups. You know, there are Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Nazarenes and Pentecostals and on and on it goes. I mean, there's, there's signs out there, and, and I guess there's probably nothing really wrong with it. I'm just not sure how much there is right with it. Because when I look at Jesus, he didn't ask people to join something. And there were all kinds of things. I want you to know that there were all kinds of stuff going on when Jesus was on the earth. There were the Sadducees, and they had their group. And there were the Essenes, and they had their group. And there were the Herodians, that they had their group. And then there were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees kept splitting over which ones were the most godly. There were about seven different varieties of the Pharisees. And they were, you know, they were separated according to what they believed or which rabbi they followed and so on and so on and so on and went. And Jesus came along and he didn't ask people to join anything. He didn't say, I want you to be a Pharisee, I, don't, I want you to be a Sadducee or an Essene or whatever. He just said, follow me. And that's the difference between what it means to know God and what it means to be religious. And this morning in our message, we're going to just simplify. We're going to get it right down to simplified truth in your life and my life. And, and I don't know if this will be a well-polished message. You may walk out of here and say, man, Mark was herky-jerky and all over the page today. But one thing's for sure. When you walk out of here, you won't have to ask, what was that sermon about? Because we're just going to get it as simple as it can possibly be. Now, you know, of course, that this book that you have, if you have a Bible with you, or if you have one at home, um, or if you're like me and my eyes are so bad, I can't read very much, you know, these, the small print of Bibles. I read most of the time on my computer. I have the Bible on, on my computer. But if you have a Bible someplace, what you have is God's Word. It's what makes it different from any other book in the world. It is God's inspired Word. In fact, the word inspired comes from two Greek words in the Bible. 
uh, theos, which is God, and pneuma. You know, if you have pneumatic tires, it means they have air in them, breath. It just means God breathed it out. And, you know, it wasn't that these, you know, these writers said, oh, what will I write today? I've got to whip up some kind of sermon, so I'm going to put it in a book. And the next thing you know, out pops Jeremiah or out pops, you know, Ezekiel or, or, or John. It wasn't like that at all. God breathed out what he wanted these writers to write, and they wrote. And here you and I are, you know, uh, 2,000 years after the book was completed. It is an awesome book if you think about it. The Bible is written by over 40 authors over 1,600 years, and it just all fits together. There are no contradictions. You know, every once in a while somebody will say, oh, there are all kinds of contradictions in the Bible. I'll just hand them the Bible and say, give me one. And, and so I, it is an awesome book. But it's more than just being, you know, this, this pristine book that we, that we worship, and we're so grateful for it. God wants us to get in it and find out how to live our lives. And even in the stories, and I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. I love the stories. I joke with the staff all the time and say, give me a story and I can preach. I just love Bible stories because not only w- w- was the narrative salient to the people who lived through that story, but the Bible tells us those stories are put there for our learning because we're going to learn something about our lives from what the people did in the Bible. And this morning, I want to take you to the Gospel of Matthew to learn maybe one of the most important, if not the most important lessons you will ever learn as a Christ follower. Take your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, it's all right. It'll be up on the screen. Look in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately after this, the this there is Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. I just love that phrase. You know, because these, you know, these are the first, we might call them early fathers of the church. Aren't you glad to know that they weren't like the stained glass windows depict? They were just like you and me. And the Bible says they were in trouble. If there's one phrase in the Bible I understand, I understand that one. They were in trouble. Now the Bible says they were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. I'd be, fra- <laughs> I'd be afraid too. You know, you're out bass fishing and, you know, you kind of expect things. All of a sudden, somebody starts walking across the water. That would get your attention. And they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Well, what are we going to learn from this? You see the story. Twelve guys in a boat, something that they're familiar with. Jesus told them to get into the boat. 
But Jesus wants to dismiss the crowd, and he wants to go and pray. The disciples get out in the middle of this lake, and sudden squalls could come up on this lake. It was almost like a wind tunnel. And the disciples got into a really bad storm. And Jesus was walking out there on the water, and they saw him, and they were terrified. Now that's when the story really gets interesting, because Peter is there with the other guys, and he is seeing Jesus walk on the water. Now what does that mean for you and me right now? I love what God is doing in this church. You write me, you email me, I meet you, and you come from all kinds of backgrounds, and, and you'll tell me things like, I heard this was not your normal kind of church. You know, I, I had a hard time with the name on the sign, maybe the Baptist name, and I thought I'd never go to a church that had a denomination or any church for that matter, but I heard you were not the normal church, and I came here, and maybe you were going through some kind of difficulty in life, and you got here and you begin to hear the message and participate in the worship and it was like God just began to talk to you and then it was like yeah this is home well that's riding in the boat and riding in the boat is a good thing and when the disciples were riding in the boat they were doing what God told them to do they were comfortable there they were at peace there and they were experiencing normalcy because by and large boats ride on water people don't walk on water that was normalcy and it was good and I'm sure they were talking about what Jesus had done that day <clears throat> and they were having a good time with each other because these 12 guys I really think they loved each other very much and they enjoyed what God was doing but then there came a moment in Peter's life where everything changed because his Lord was out there on the water and I, find, I think this is interesting. It wasn't that he was so impressed with Jesus that he did something that nobody else had done. It was just that his Lord was doing it. And Jesus had not called him to be a Pharisee or an Essene or a Herodian or anything else. Jesus had just come down to the docks one day when that old fisherman was out there and Jesus said, follow me. And his Lord was out there doing it. And Peter said, if you're doing it, I want to do it. That is what it means to be a Jesus follower. Now, sometime, here's the deal. For those of us who are riding in the boat and having a good time and saying, yeah, it's never been like this before, and I've been to church, I never got anything out of it, but now I am, and I'm, got, I'm getting into a connection group, and, and I'm, I'm really enjoying the worship ministry. You're riding in the boat. Here's the deal. It's a good thing to ride in the boat, but if you're going to follow Jesus, sometime, you're going to have to get out of the boat. And sometimes you're going to have to do something that God is calling you to do because, and I don't know exactly how to preach this, it's because what God responds to is faith. Faith is it. I really believe that when you and I stand before God, the, we're going to be evaluated on one question. It's going to be a one-question test. Where's your faith? I mean, that's what Jesus talked about. When he saw faith, he loved it. When he didn't see faith, you just saw it in our story. He asked Peter, he said, what happened to your faith? Because faith is everything to God. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Faith is everything. You get the dial set right at faith, and all the other dials will take care of themselves. But here's what faith is. Faith steps outside of the boat to follow Jesus. Now, outside the boat is different from outside the box. 
We hear a lot about that. It's almost becoming passe today. That's been a big part of our culture. You know, corporations talk about it. You know, groups talk about it in just about every area of life. Get outside the box. That just means doing something in a way it's never been done before or maybe in a way that's not comfortable to us. Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes getting outside the box is the most logical thing in the world to me. In fact, the most illogical thing to my personality is why would you just do something because it's always been done that way before? That's just nonsense to me. So a lot of times when I talk to leaders and, and, and people in organizations or, or whatever, and they're talking about getting outside the box, I'm saying, well, yeah, you should have done that five years ago, should have done that ten years ago. But getting outside the boat is something else. Because when, when you get outside the boat, it's not like, wow, that makes sense. It's, that doesn't make sense. Now, if I'm, if I'm the other 11 guys there, and Peter's talking about getting outside the boat, and we know Peter, and he's always shooting off his mouth, if I'm the other disciples, I'm thinking, what is wrong with this guy now? You know, what is Peter up to now? But Peter said, hey, Lord, if it's you, and I just love this. He didn't say, he didn't say I, I want to do this. That's a cool trick. He just said, let me come to you on the water. The important thing was following Jesus. You know, all I'm saying to everybody here today, no matter who you are, and this is including me, I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning and I said, Lord, I want to know, I want to be assured, what is the next step for me? Whether you just started following Jesus three weeks ago, or you've been following Jesus for 50 years, or even if you've never followed him before, there's one thing that's universal in this audience this morning. There is a next step outside the boat for you. And I want to take it. Because here's the deal. Here's, I've been talking about the difference between Jesus and religion. Jesus is out there. I mean, he's not, he's not your normal religion. I mean, Jesus is going to call you to do things that are going to be exciting. And he's out there. And if you want to follow him, you can't sit in the boat all the time. You've got to get outside the boat and follow him. Because here's the thing. You can join a church and be part of a religion. And you can learn the rules and what the church does. And, you know, when, where the coffee is and where the pews are. And, and you can learn the words, the songs, and you can join this and join that. But at the end of the day, following Jesus is something else. If you follow Jesus, he will take you somewhere. And the place he will take you to is a real relationship with God. We, talk, we use that expression all the time. We talk about having a relationship with God. But I wonder how many people really have that. I mean, it's like when you get up in the morning, you're talking, I have a relationship with my wife. I talk to her in the morning. I call her on the cell phone. I've, I talk to her about what she's been doing. We talk about the day. We, we talk about our kids. I mean, we have this relationship, and we have a history with each other, just like you have a relationship with people. If you follow Jesus, he will take you way beyond religion. He will take you into a relationship with God so that when you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's like, God, I'm glad you're awake because I'm up, and I got stuff on my mind I want to talk to you about. So if you follow Jesus, he will bring you into a relationship with God. He will bring you into a life of miracles. There will be things that happen in your life that you cannot explain. You just shake your head. How many of us, we try to tell our friends about something, and we'll just say, hey, it's a God thing. I mean, you just like give up. I, try, I won't explain this to you, but it doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, I was riding in a boat, and, and Jesus was out there, and I just climbed over the boat, and, and I, I, there's no way I can tell you. It's just a God thing. That's what following Jesus will do. It's so much different from just joining a church. Following Jesus will take you into a relationship with God. It will bring you into a life of miracles, and one that we don't put enough attention on. It will bring you to a situation where you'll be laying up treasure in heaven. 
hey, you and I are only going to live here 100 years or less, many of us far less. We're going to live in heaven for eternity. I really think the average Christian is so concerned about the stuff that we have in this life, and we're going to say goodbye to it all. And Jesus said, you know, moth does its number on it, and rust, and, and corrosion, and all these things, and, and thieves break in and steal what we have. And beyond that, we Americans, we have one that we could add to that that Jesus' crowd didn't have. We could say, you sell it in a garage sale. And we're going to say goodbye to it someday. But Jesus said, hey, you can lay up treasure in heaven so that when you die, you won't have to say, oh, no, I'm leaving all my stuff. You can say, praise God, I'm going to all my stuff. That's what following Jesus will do. But at some point, you're going to have to get out of the boat. You're going to have to say, Lord, I want to follow you. And you're out there, and you're not in the boat. So if I'm going to follow you, i got to get out. Now, I know that some of you are hearing this today, and you know what I'm talking about. You've read through all the metaphors that I'm laying out here before you. And you say, I know what you're talking about, Mark. You're talking about risk. And you're saying, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to take risks. Well, that's where it gets a little complicated. And I wish I knew how to explain this. Because a lot of us are inclined to risky behavior, and it's not Jesus. You know, you just say, why? Man, I, I'm all about risk, man. I love risk. I, I love driving 20 miles above the speed limit. Or, I, you know, I, I, I drink too much, or I, you know, I, I shoot some stuff, or I, you know, I'm smoking some grass, and that's kind of risky. It's against the law. And so, Pastor, you're talking about risk. Or maybe, maybe it's a lot more mundane than that. Maybe you just say, I'm just so upset. My job is just killing me. I think I need to just leave my job and open a bed and breakfast somewhere. I mean, all of us can think about risky stuff. And, and if, so if you think I'm just talking about risky stuff this morning, let me tighten the focus a little bit. Getting outside of a boat and walking on top of the water is a very risky proposition. Peter had one very important criterion that had to be satisfied before he would get out of the boat. And you and I need to have that same criterion in our lives. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, you tell me and I'll get out of this boat. <laughs> but he was saying, until I hear it from you, I'm not going to get out of this boat. All of us can have risky ideas in our heads from time to time. But it's that very important criterion that we need to employ. Lord, is it you? Are you the one who is telling me to get out of the boat? And for us, we have something very important that Peter did not have. We have the Bible. And my assurance to you this morning is that if God is telling you to do something, you will either find it spelled out or principled out here in the Bible. You will be able to take the Word of God, rightly divide it, and come up with what Jesus is telling you to do. With that in mind, let me make it real simple. What is it that Jesus is asking you to do? There is a next step outside the boat for every person in this room. Maybe a few weeks ago in a worship service at the end when I prayed the prayer of salvation, you prayed with me. But it was private, and you just said, you know, I don't want anybody to know about this. Maybe the first step outside the boat would be for you to let me know. I always talk to you about our worship folder, how that there's a place where you can let me know I prayed to receive Christ. And every week we get these, and, and great things happen. And maybe that's your first step. Really, the thing that God wants you to do after you accept Jesus Christ, and it has to do with water, 
the first step may be baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. If you've accepted Jesus, if you prayed to receive Christ, either with me or any place else, if you prayed to receive Christ, God saved you right there at that moment. I mean, God birthed you into his family, wrote your name in the census book of heaven. I mean, God wants you to, to, to go to heaven. I mean, it's not like you have to talk him into it. I mean, he gave his son to die on a cross. His blood came out of his body as a payment for every sin you and I have ever committed. God is desperately in love with you, and he wants to have you forever in his home. So all you got to do is say yes to him. And you prayed that, and you said, I want to do that. But you did it privately. I did it on the playground of my school when I was eight years old. I didn't pray out loud. I've been over a water fountain to get a drink, and I got a drink of this world's water, and I got a drink of living water. But here's the thing. I was a little awkward about going, you know, saying to the church, I need to be baptized. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say it was years before I submitted to believer's baptism. And here's what happens. In baptism, a person is lowered below the water, showing the death of Jesus. They're raised up out of the water, showing Jesus' resurrection without ever saying a word. If I saw you baptized, I'd know who you follow. You know, if you follow Buddha, we just put you in a chair and have you sit like, you know, get in a lotus position. Maybe that, would, maybe that would show that you follow Buddha. But following Jesus, you know, he's different from anybody else. He died, he was buried, he rose again. If I see you baptized, there's only one person you could possibly follow, and that's Jesus. See, God wanted some sort of tangible, visible, external expression of our faith doesn't save you it just says i'm with jesus i want everybody to know that everything about me my hope my future is tied to the one who died who was buried and who rose from the grave and i'm with him maybe that's a step you need to take maybe you're like me you fought you've you've committed your life to jesus but you've never taken that that step i want to challenge you this morning step out of the boat maybe it's something else one of, the, one of the things of faith, one of the steps of faith that God has encouraged us to, to look at and commanded us to do regards our finances. Now remember, faith is getting outside the boat and trusting God for the rest of it. Now God says this about my finances. God says that a tenth of everything that I earn already belongs to God. I can't give it to God because it belongs to Him. And God says, bring it. And that's why if you look at the envelope and the pew back in front of you, it'll say tithes. In offerings, the tithe means tenth. And so I bring that to God. But now God says, now, now Mark, it's not going to be like you're in a deficit situation because God is saying, trust me, check me out, and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you can't receive. See, it's all about faith. God is saying, trust me. See, it's not like God is poor. It's not like he's setting up in heaven and heaven, you know, is going bankrupt or anything like that. It's that God just wants me to trust him because if I can't trust God with a tenth of my income, how can I trust him with my soul? So God says, bring it. Well, that's a step outside the boat, right? Boy, a big step. For most of us, it's not like we have a tenth of our income to do anything with. But God says, try me out. That's the, one of the few times, if not the only time, where God says, try it. Most of the times God says, just do it. God says, try it and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. Another thing, we have a mission conference in just a few days. And I want to encourage you. I mean, there's a Friday night service, a Saturday night, and Sunday. And I know you're all busy, but I want to encourage you to take that weekend because for some of you, that's a step outside the boat. 
your focus and your attention is here in the United States, but there are six billion people in the world. Half of them have never heard about Jesus. What am I going to do about that? What are you going to do about it? First step would be attending mission conferences and just seeing what's possible. Some of you have ridden in the boat for a while, and I'm hearing you because you're telling me the story. It's one of the things that gave me the idea for this message. I'm listening to some of you, you've just started following Jesus, and there are issues in your life and things that you just haven't even paid any attention to in the past, but all of a sudden you're saying, wow, Mark, I know I've got to deal with this. For some of you, it may be a relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship with the wrong person. And you know, you've got an arrow over your head pointing toward God, and that person's got an arrow over his, and not a real arrow, but she's got an arrow over her head pointing away from God. And you, and you, can't, you can't follow Jesus and walk with her, or you can't follow Jesus and walk with him. And you say, but it would be hard. Stepping outside the boat is hard. But you need to deal with it, and you know you need to deal with it. Maybe you're living with somebody, and you know, you're intimate with this person, but that person's not your husband or wife, and both of you have come to faith, and you know that you need to do something about that, and you need to, you know, you need to make it right and be married. We have a culture today that says marriage doesn't matter, but God, it matters to God. God's all about commitment, and so you need to take that step. It could be any number of things. Maybe there's a habit in your life that, you know, when you, before you came to Christ, that habit didn't mean anything to you. You didn't even think anything about it. But now that you've come to Christ, it's like, it's like God's making a little light flash. Not really, but I mean, that it feels like that in your mind, and you're knowing this is wrong. What I'm doing is not right. Well, you need to step outside the boat and just do it. You know, when, when, you, just, when you just do it, it separates you from a lot of other people. When Peter got out of the boat, it separated him from 11 guys who were still sitting in the boat. And, and that's the thing, because many times people in religion talk about stuff, but they don't actually do it. And when you and I just do whatever God is asking us to do, it will separate us from two groups of people. Number one, it will separate you from the wannabes. You know, there are a lot of people in church who have the colors and the signs down, but that's all they're ever going to have. Because they're wannabes. I mean, they'll learn the stuff, but they never just do it. It, it impresses me sometimes when I look out, and, and sometimes it makes me sad when I look at our congregation, I see somebody who's been with us for many, many years, and it's like they never just do anything. And on the other hand, I'll see somebody come to the Lord, and I mean, a week later, they're doing this and they're doing that. They're just obeying God. They're just getting out of the boat. And whatever it is that God wants them to do, they're ready to do it. That kind of thing will separate you from the wannabes. And number two, it will separate you from the hypocrites. Because hypocrites, their slogan is not just do it, it's just talk about it. Just talk about it. And I love that. Well, there are two final things that you need to know. The first one is this. Whenever you step outside the boat, the risk factors may still be there. You know, when Peter got out of the boat, that didn't stop the waves. And it didn't stop the storm. In fact, for a little while, it kind of freaked him out because he got out there and he started walking on the water. And I, I got to ask him when I get to heaven, Peter, what did that feel like when you stepped out of the boat and instead of water, it felt like terra firma? I've got to ask him about that. In fact, I hope God just kept that, you know, on tape so when I get to heaven, I can watch that. 
But the wind kept howling and the water kept swirling around him. And for a moment, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the conditions. And one of the things that I've discovered, and I don't know exactly how to articulate this, I'll do the best I can, is that, you know, when Jesus calls you out and you step outside the boat, sometimes those risk factors will still be screaming at you. You'll, get, you'll, you'll say to that person, you know what? We're in the wrong kind of relationship, and it's not right that we should be together. You're going one direction, and I'm going the other direction, and we're going to have to break this off. And you'll go home, and your heart will just ache and cry out at you. Did you do the right thing? You know, what, those, those winds that are still howling. Or maybe there's some kind of a, a, a substance issue in your life that you're dealing with, and you're saying, I've got to, I, cannot, I can't drink this if I'm going to follow Jesus because it's just destroying my life. And you say no to it, but then those cravings will still be there. Or maybe it'll be a, you know, maybe it's a financial thing where you say, I'm just going to trust God with a tenth of my income, and I'm going to bring it like God told me to do it. And, and then, you know, a bill will appear out of no place, and you'll say, wow, I didn't know this was going to happen. See, when Peter got out of the boat, the risk factor still howled for a little while. I think that's the essence of faith. If God just made it real easy, we could never respond to him. I, let me do my best to explain something I always have a hard time explaining. The reason why faith is so important to God is that there's nothing you can really give God except your faith. What matters to God more than anything else is just that you trust him. Well, if trusting God never involved any kind of test, how significant, how important would that trust be? So oftentimes when people follow God in the Bible, the Lord had them wait for a while before the resolution appeared. But that's where faith is. And that's where we learn that we can trust him. Andre Crouch, whose music I loved when I was a teenager, Andre Crouch, in his great song, Through It All, said, For if I'd never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? I'd never know what faith in God could do. That's the first thing I want you to know. And the reason I want you to know that is I don't want you to be surprised, because some of you today are going to walk out of here, maybe even before you leave the service today, and you're going to just do it. You're going to say, Man, I know what it is. I know the step that God wants me to take, and I'm going to be over the side because Jesus is calling me out there. I just don't want you to be surprised. I want you to expect it. But here's the big one. Think about what happened with Peter. He walked outside the boat, walked on the water, walked to Jesus. Storms kind of freaked him out. He got scared for a moment. He started to sink because those conditions were there, and he cried out to Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus grabbed him. The last thing I want you to know is whenever you step outside the boat, he won't let you sink. <laughs> I'm glad to tell you today, he will not let you sink. You may embarrass yourself on a few occasions, and you may not be everything you want to be, but I'll tell you what, that's just the difference between people who ride in the boat and people who step out of the boat. He will not let you sink. And I think it's awesome how that Jesus caught him. And I think about what happens next. The Bible doesn't really talk about it a whole lot. But it had to be that Jesus and Peter walked together on the water back to the boat. I love that. That is what it means to be a Jesus follower. And that's what this church is about. You know, we want you to follow Jesus. We're not trying to make you a member of a church necessarily. We're not trying to make you a denomination person. That's the last thing we want. We want you to follow Jesus. We want you to hear his voice. And when he calls you, 
step outside the boat and just do it. I shouldn't add anything to that. I'd overcomplicate it, wouldn't I? Just do it. If he's calling you to do something today, don't be a wannabe. Don't be a talker. Just do it. Wind and waves may howl for a while, but he won't let you sink.